You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 37. So this week, this past week, we actually played a little bit more poker than normal. Uh, for the first time in a while, I went to a Texas Card House, and they're having they were having that big six hundred dollar buy in tournament. Uh, me nor you did it, but it was just it created a lot of action around that room, uh, and I thought it was really cool because I haven't played in somewhere new in a little while. So I was I will say I was pretty impressed with that place. Right, and it was absolutely packed when we were there. Yeah. Actually, the only thing I did have an issue with was I went to go get a drink. It took me freaking forever uh, because it was so packed. But uh, super nice place. Very, the staff was amazing. And, I mean, it was really enjoyable time. And I think it was like $9 an hour, which makes it one of the cheapest places to play around here. Well, uh, well especially around there. I was just about to say, what a complete change since last time. I remember I used to live on that side of town about maybe a year ago or stay on that side of town. And they were competing with that place right across the street, Rounders. Yeah. And I guess Rounders closed because Rounders had a ton of business about a year ago, kind of, you know, always having a table when they wouldn't. But now it seems like all the players are over at Texas Card House. You know, I, uh, Rounders is been was open forever and a day, and I never went there. And I was kind of shocked that when they would get more action than uh, Texas Card House, because Texas Card House, from everything I heard, like I say, never been to Rounder, so uh, hard to compare. But I just heard it was like just a room with a table in it, so I, it just seemed like Texas Card House was so much nicer. Oh, I've been a few times, and that's exactly what it was. So, yeah, that was a. Uh... But I was pleasantly surprised. That was a really good, uh, it was really cool to uh, go and see a new place. Uh, now, that's the good side. On the bad side, whew, session did not go, I mean, ye, for either of us, you had way more interesting hands than I did. Uh, I mean, there was that one that really throws, you want to go into it? Well, I was going to start by saying I was getting just a ton of great premium hands at the beginning, right? Yeah. I mean, just aces, kings, ace, king, ace, king, ace, over and over again. So I was like, all right, this is going pretty good. And I um, I flopped that top two uh, in that multi-weight pot. And I'm pretty sure someone laid down a better hand than top two. Do you remember that before the big hand? Whenever it Was uh, top two uh, the Omaha hand? Um, no, it was whenever it was, I had seven, eight of spades and the flop came seven, eight, like three or something, two diamonds. Well, I think that guy probably, cause y'all got it all in on the flop and that one got folded, right? No, no, I, I put she, so the short stack jammed all in on the flop whenever I continuation bet. Okay. I called, he called, it was like. $150 or something is what she it was uh, for her all in. And then on the, no, it was a little bit more than that. It was like 200 Cause I remember I bet like pot on the turn, which was 600. Um, so, but then it was like diamond, diamond, spade, spade. And I still had top two. 
Okay. So then I put him all in with a six. It was, he had less than 600, but I bet 600, which was like about pot. Oh, okay. And then he laid down. Yeah. And then she bricked, she had ace five of diamonds and bricked the flush draw. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. God, I don't know that he, if he is folding anything that has you beat there, that is a hell of a fold. Cause I mean, that's pretty strong there. I thought the, I thought the flush got there. He would have folded and it would have got there. Uh, but I don't know that guy th- that you're talking about. I was in several hands with, like my biggest hands with him, and every single time I had top two pair, and th- these were Omaha hands on there, and he had a set, and I was and it was draw heavy board, so I'm like, well, there's way more draws here than there are hands that have me beat, so I'm hammering, and he looks so weak. And I'm like, okay, and I like hammer the turn, and finally I go check when the draw actually gets there, and uh, he t- he turns over like middle set, and I was like, God Almighty, he's like, well, I'm sure you had, I was sure you had top set, and I was like, so I mean that guy was kind of nitty, so he might have folded the best hand there. I definitely think it's possible. Yeah, so here was the big hand though, or I guess you would call it probably the session defining hand, right? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say. So, me and you were right next to each other at the table. Um, a guy who's very deep stacked opens up for, like, was it 20 or 15? I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and this hand is not going to. Yeah. Um, somebody then min-clicks it, trying to raise, and then only min-clicked it. So, I was like, okay, I'm going to put in a real bet here. And you have ace-king off, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um... I make it like 125. Then I get re-raised to 300. Then the short stack had less than 300. So he goes all in. Then I ripped it all in on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then um, the flop came king 8-8. Eight, eight. He had pocket kings. The other guy had pocket aces. I had ace king. So, we were all in pre-flop, though, so it was not a great situation for me. I mean, <laughs> to get ace-king and not only run into aces, but kings in the same hand, I mean, you want to talk about such a monstrous cool. I cannot believe. I mean, it's one thing to run into one of them, which is even a rarity, because, I mean, you have blockers. There's only so many combinations left. So, even that's not likely. But for you to run into both of them in the same hand, that had to be hurtful just to get it all in there and see their hands. and But nothing you're going to do there. Because I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, well, okay, even if you call there, there's a king right on the flop. The guy has a set of kings who is, you know, stacked behind. So he's, you know, he's pushing all in. You're definitely not folding ace-king on this flop. So it just, it that was one of the hands that just played itself. But God almighty, what a cooler. <laughs> right, but like I always said, I mean, gi- playing gigantic pots with Ace King. I mean, you. I will say this: you live by your words. You do not say <laughs> something and do the opposite. If you say it, it is one hundred percent go. Because yeah, Ace King, you are you are just going crazy with it. Right, and I told him we're only running it once, in case I win. <laughs> <laughs> just hoping for that Jack Ten Queen flop. Um. Yeah, so that was, but I mean, I was off to such a great start. It didn't really cripple me too, too bad. Yeah, that was kind of shocking. Because when you said that you were, 
like a couple, like maybe 30 minutes later, you're like, well, I'm about even or whatever. And I was like, God almighty, because I knew I had seen that hand. It was such a huge hand. I don't, I knew you'd gotten off to a great start. I don't even think I realized how good your start was until you said that. Right, because after that I had added on, too, for another buy-in, basically. Okay. Um. So, that, I mean, that was a gigantic hand for me. And then the other gigantic hand was a PLO hand after I'd switched. They broke our table, so I'm on a new table now. And it was the PLO hand, right? Okay. Oh, I know. Okay, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> and there's a under the uh, there's a button straddle. I'm in the big blind. In my head, I was thinking it was a bomb pot, and I was waiting for the flop, right? <laughs> so I'm just sitting there. I have king three of diamonds, pocket fours, and all, and it would always be a fold pre-flop if it was a Omaha hand, but not a bomb pot, right? Obviously. Well, yeah, obviously a bomb pot, but uh, it's a fold. In regular PLO. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, by strategy it should be. I mean, almost everybody around here plays literally every PLO hand, but definitely should probably be a fold for this hand. So I'm sitting there just kind of daydreaming, waiting for a flop. And then someone says, the action's on you, the dealer. Says, oh, what? I was like, wait, it's not a bomb pot? And they're like, no, it's not a bomb pot. And I was like, oh, I just threw $3 out there just because I was thrown off guard, right? Right. It limps around. The flop comes ace of diamonds, seven of diamonds, and like, uh, I don't remember. It was very, it was a low card, maybe like a six. Okay. Something like that. And um, now I'm drawing to the nut flush. So I bet, I bet relatively small. And I think I got two callers. Yeah, I remember the small bags. I was like, this seems so weird to bet small here. But, okay. Yeah, because I was building in case so I could pot it on the turn if I hit it. I wasn't potting it for, like, 50 bucks. Okay. I mean, it was kind of my thought process in the betting. I like a bigger bet, but, I mean, I can... But I would... I will say this. I like your small bet just in case. Uh, I do like you pot building here, especially with multiple multiple players here. Uh, yeah, especially for me as playing less PLO than you. I like to tread very lightly oftentimes. I can see that. Um, turn the nut. That's, I mean, that is great in a PLO hand right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it checks around to me. Oh, no, sorry. I'm in the big blind. I just pot it. Yeah, I mean, 100% is the move. And it was like 350 maybe? Yes. Yeah. Um, a guy calls. Very concerning when you're holding the nuts that someone's calling. I, I mean, you love the call, but I mean, in PLO, for the most part, nobody, I mean, they have outs. I mean, this is always, it seems like a set almost all the time here. That's what I was thinking. So, of course, in my head, just please don't play the board. Please don't pair the board. Um, so, it's heads up. He had called the 350. The board doesn't pair. I still have the nuts. I go all in. Any calls with second nuts. Yeah, that was one of the weirder things I've seen. Because, I mean, you just, I mean, you always have the nuts here. And, like, and not only the second nuts, but he was holding the jack. He had the queen of diamonds with the jack of diamonds. So he's holding the third nuts here, too. So, I mean, this is, I mean, you're either doing this with a 10 high flush and a PLO hand, 
I guess it's possible. I don't know. I guess anything's possible. Or, I mean, it's just a complete bluff catch here. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. This Most people are not PL, barreling the PLO board, you know, turning river for pot on a bluff here. So I, was, I thought that was kind of a very uh, interesting call, but I was definitely glad to see you get it. Um, I'll briefly just skim over to finish out my Texas card house session. Um, I also had like a bluff that I tried big blind versus small blind thinking that he was light. He was not light. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that was basically all the hands for me, but then I had an interesting thing that happened at the end of the session. So I'm cashing out and I have, I had a bunch of red chips, right? Okay. And some guy to my left, who I had just bluffed out of a hand currently, and he was kind of odd, that guy who came and sat between us. Oh, yeah. I do know who you're talking about. Right. And he was, like, trying to get more room and was very strange. Um, so he comes and sits to my left. We play for a while. And then um, when I'm leaving, you're already gone. He asks for if, if he can get 150 in red. He's on my left. So on my right side, I count out the 150, as you normally okay. would, and I sh- and I did them in stacks of 25 to show them. I said, you know, 25, 50, 75, 100, 25, 50, 150, right? Just to clarify that everything is good. And he had the 150 kind of like in front of me too. And then before anything happened, he asked if he could get five whites, which are ones. Mm-hmm. And when I started to count them, he scooped all the chips in, including his 150, thinking I wouldn't notice. This is so... I mean, I, here's a question. When you confronted him, what did what did he say? It's so weird. Oh, my bad, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, did anybody else react at the table? Not really. It is a very... I mean, that is a very... But what threw me off is because, like, the moat because he was on my left he had to reach all the way around to my right yeah which i thought was weird because you know how normally i would count it on my right then hand it to him on my left right he almost left his chair trying to get all the chips this i mean this is 100 percent. this is not an accident oh no i yeah i agree yeah it's it is i mean everybody just needs to be so aware of everything so i mean the uh there's just people like this out there and you really have to be watch watch what you're doing and just trying to do anything to take advantage of anybody. Uh, so look, if you're a beginner or a new person, you definitely have to watch out for stuff like this. I'm glad. I'm, I mean, I'm glad it happened to you. Somebody who's going to notice so that you can make other people aware of what, uh, what to look out for. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I was very surprised, but what really threw me off was kind of the motion of him getting up to scoop. The chips was odd. Yeah. Right. If they were in front of him, that'd be one thing. I might not have noticed. Yeah, you definitely don't need to get up out of your chair to sco- unless you're just scooping the entire thing. Well, because like he got up, like l- reaching around me to scoop, and then like with his arm drugging his chips too, like his elbow. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's ever scooping that way either. I mean, if you're just trying to get chips, I mean, there's the stacks of twenty five. You don't need to just. Nobody's just scooping the entire 25. You're just 
taking the chips. It's not that many chips. Yeah. So I just thought that was an interesting angle. That is <laughs> that is a very interesting angle. That is, uh... And then at my next session, people were trying to get chips off. I don't know. Just, you can cut me a line, but you're not. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, definitely have to watch out for it 100%. I mean, I've always worried about that. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's definitely something to look out for. I mean, you got to, you know, get oh, on your toes. 100%. I don't know. I, I don't know. Stuff like that just drives me crazy. But I guess after after everything was said and done, it ended up being like a $300 loss. Cause, oh, that was right. I flopped the nuts straight for that guy's two pair, and he boated on the river. No, okay. Yeah, that was, oh, God, that was really tough. But, yeah, that was the determinant of a profitable session or unprofitable session. But slightly unprofitable, but great battling back after that ace-king versus aces and kings. Yeah. Uh, one thing I learned from the session, which was not profitable for me, I don't remember. It was like a $200 loss or something like that. Uh, but one thing I did kind of learn over this last week of playing in Houston, since I was playing College Station a lot more, is... You really, I need to kind of pick up my studying in PLO again, because almost every place in Houston, you do have that one hand of PLO. Uh, you're playing during during these hold'em sessions, and it takes so long versus a hold'em hand that you really, if you do not kind of study and have an edge there, then you're kind of just hemorrhaging money. And also, not that it takes. I mean, it does take a long time. But the pots are gigantic most of the time. Yeah, and I mean, it shouldn't take that much study, actually, either. Because, I mean, nobody... I mean, people are liking this just because it's a straight-up gamble. So, uh, with the, you know, a little bit of pre-flop study and just a little bit of post-flop study, I think, you know, you're not having to go and crush, you know, 510 in Vegas PLO. All you really need to do is look at the very basics. So you're just seeing if you can beat people who don't play plo in plo yeah i mean exactly <laughs> although they love plo uh so uh, i did kind of look at that and that was some something i'm gonna have to do for my studying and just kind of look at some plo spots uh, like i say i kind of looked in pre-flop this week uh as far as spots i should be calling or raising in uh and post-flop and probably need to go maybe over like Crush Live or something and look over their, some of their strategy videos just for, you know, as far as little spots here and there. I don't think it takes a lot, but the thing is, if you're not studying at all and you just either don't have an edge or even worse, if those people do play PLO, and even if they're not good and you just don't study at all, then, I mean, if you have a negative edge in there, it's, I mean, horrible. So that's something I am going to adapt to my game a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the places I play at, though, don't have the PLO hand, so. I mean, literally only one place in Houston. Prime. Oh, okay, two places in Houston. And I only play in two places in Houston. <laughs> See, I like the variety, so I am going to play. Like, I like Paramount. I like, I, I would still like to, I'd like to do uh, Texas Card House a little bit. So there are places I want to play, and it definitely seems like the majority are going to have that, so. Did you play that Paramount session after the uh, Texas Cardinal session, right? Because I was at work. Oh, was it? Yeah. After? Yeah, because I was at work when you went and played it, right? That's right. That was Friday. Oh, wait. No, I didn't go Friday. Was I don't know. Thursday? I... It was Thursday because I stayed home because I had to do something. Oh, and you okay. went. And I was like, oh, I'll meet you there maybe. Let me know how it is. 
uh, I liked it. I mean, like I always like playing <laughs> at, at Paramount. I mean, again, it was just the uh, the amount of P- the, the thing is, I'm not great at PLO. And if you're doing one hand per round, you're not at a nine-handed table. It's like one out of every seven hands. Well, then every 30 minutes, there's a PLO bomb pot. And these hands, I mean, you think the PLO hands take a long time. PLO bomb pots take forever. So it really kind of cut into the time I felt like I was earning money where I have a distinct advantage and no limit. So, I mean, if you have one every 30 minutes... It takes, you know, let's say at least five to seven minutes to get through that through that hand. And then, so that's, you're now using ten minutes of your hour. Well, you also have the one random one on the button. I was, I was like, I won't lie. I kind of felt like a, a fish out of water on that because it just, yeah. And wasn't the big thing in there, too, that they wanted to go to two hands of PLO or... They a lot of people wanted the two two hands. I told them straight up no. Uh, at first, I was like, and it got re- kind of awkward because at first it was like three of us who didn't want two hands. Uh, those two people left and like, well, what about two hands now? I was like, it is taking an hour to get through six hands right now. I we are not moving to two hands. I'm like, and eventually I well I left and I was like, y'all can and I was like, well y'all can do y'all can make it all PLO if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I've been that guy many a time. I mean, I don't understand, like, if everybody wants to do it. I mean, it seems like instead of, you know, just do one whole uh, whole table that's round of each and one whole table that would be Hold'em, it seems like that would be the better route to go. Or why not just do one whole table of PLO? Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a ton of PLO people or players who want to only play PLO. Yeah. I bet you they'd get a pretty good following if they just had a 1-2 PLO game going. And they, it was on Atlas. That's true. That's a good point. Because, I mean, that would be the cheapest PLO game you could do around town. Um, and if you're not from or played in Texas or Houston, Atlas is an app on the phone kind of like Bravo where you can see how many tables are running and how many people are on it. Very helpful. That's true. I did not. I forget. It's not used everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Okay. Anything else happened in that Texas Cardhouse session? Because I remember the Paramount session was kind of. Uh, Not really noteworthy. Kind of a lot of card deadness. Uh, I had a couple spots. Uh, like I got into a couple spots with the the PLO and bomb pots, where again I just wasn't practiced. I fl- the flopping two pair against a set, top two pair versus a set twice kind of hurt me. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely shake you up a bit. I mean, so I think I played it decently, but I think it was just a bad run. But again, I need to do kind of look at my studying a little bit too so just not a not a great run of cards i mean again it was another session that i was very card dead and just not i think it's there might be a little bit of me trying too hard to make things happen i think that can that can happen when you're very card dead and not running well it's uh making lighter calls than i normally normally make and yeah, I think it kind of compounds on itself. Yeah, everything. feel like everyone's been there, so. Yeah. But I actually want to get, so I guess, and then we both played one more session this week, right? Uh, Yeah, we both went to Legends. <laughs> we both went just different times. Yeah. Uh, That one was, 
I actually did kind of enjoy this session, especially at the start, because it was the first out of four sessions I did not just run card dead. And I was able to kind of get in pot. I built up a pretty big stack. And then disaster happened. I mean, a bad play by me completely. Uh, pocket nines. I raise, I think it might have been three or four to the flop. I uh, hit my set of nines. It's jack, nine, six. Uh, no flush draw. Fairly dry board. So I kind of down bet. I think I bet like 25 or something. Uh, get called one way. There's a king on the turn. I don't love it because queen 10 does get there. But I feel like there's way more jacks. Ace jack, king jack, queen jack. Uh, king jack is now two pair. Uh, jack 10. I feel like I have to go for value here. There's just, which I think is the right move. Uh, bet I bet pretty sh strong on here. I bet like 85. Get a call. A queen comes on the river, which is a horrible card. It makes a one-liner do a straight to a 10. But, uh, this is just a horrible analysis in, in the moment. Because I'm like, how many 10s does he have? Queen 10 is obviously a hand he could have. Uh, Jack 10. But I'm like, well, there's really no ace 10s. There's really no king 10s. Or anything like that. I'm like, well, I lead out. I do the exact same thing you did in the last podcast. I lead out thinking maybe I can get value from two. There's a lot of two pairs out here. A lot of big two pairs. I lead out for a hundred. Thinking I can get a kind of a, a light call with, from two pair. He re-raises to 250. You know, it's one of those that he's never bluffing here. It just a horrible call. Looking at the pot, looking at the odds, 150 to win what is a pretty gigantic amount of money. Just justified it and paid it off. And uh, he had pocket tens for flopping mid middle pair and hitting runner runner straight. God, but like you said, you had the intent of bet folding, right? You know, I had the intent, and it was going through my head at the time. Uh, and I don't think it's a whole. It's probably going to through uh, too thin a value because I mean I've heard this a lot like these the scary straight boards like you can actually get value from, but the problem being is there were tens here that made sense like usually when people talk about it they're looking at these four card straight boards but they really would never have the card that makes sense now he should never have pocket tens uh the pocket tens here is super light i don't know how he ended up with that uh but queen 10 didn't make sense jack 10 would make some sense uh so this is very much a bet fold or maybe i do think it's too weak to just fold here i mean but you you could do like a check call if it was like a i guess it goes all in or something it's a tough spot but maybe check and to look at maybe check calling here but very it's one of those things that in the moment just you know you you just talk yourself into and make a make a bad play which i think looks at it in when you're running bad you can just get into your at least it does get into my head as far as just playing bad as well 
that was like one thing you said that was really I found pretty interesting was whenever you said even though you're running bad, you should still try to play the way that you're that made you profitable to begin with, not to adjust your play too much. Yeah, especially while on yours, because I mean you are having the bad side of variance, but and we talked about kind of like how to adjust and how to adjust your play, which is a very different style than mine. It's but like it's, the opposite. Yeah, very much the opposite. The, uh, <laughs> But I was saying, you know, like, you don't want to adjust too much. Because, I mean, you want to play the exact same style that built up, you know, right. it's gotten you from, you know, 1-3 to 5-5 five, five to for a bankroll that can handle that. So, I mean, you don't want to all of a sudden go to from playing a very good style to very straight ABC poker. It's funny. You, you want to play the style that got you from 1-3 to 5-5 five, five, to 5-10 and back down to 1-3. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, so at 5-10, that strategy don't work. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, it does, but it's just funny. Yeah. So it's a uh, – and my style, like I say, I kind of – now my style that I usually on is – playing better preflop hands and you can usually make a ton of money by overfolding because people very few people actually have bluffs in their range which actually makes your style very profitable so but i kind of get away from my like yours i think you shouldn't stray too far away from but mine actually strays away and i actually need to get back to the what i'm used to playing which your style can be very tough when card dead Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very uh, very difficult. Well, I mean, because you have a lot more room for just uh, kind of splashing around. Because you're deep stacked enough to give yourself way, way better implied odds. Like, I think it's kind of interesting for the listener. Because we play very different styles. We also buy in for very different stack sizes. And yet, we're both profitable over the long run. Not over the short term. But over the <laughs> yeah. but over the long run, so I mean, you can play different ways and still, you know, make a profit. I mean, I think everybody has to find their niche. Oh man, think of the the lumps taken though, trying to develop the strategy that I feel like I've now kind of have a better grasp on versus when I first started. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, whenever I just well, I don't know, it was just. Come a long way, I think. A lot of studying, recognizing spots and different board textures and really playing, instead of your two cards, different situations and boards. Yeah, that's definitely... Which, I mean, was came through a lot of studying through either, you know, the training sites like you use, uh, my poker coaching Or PokerCoaching.com, oh, yeah. PokerCoaching. And I use a lot of Crush Live. And then we both like just going over the vlogs, which I don't know how much training that is. It's more entertaining. But it's still you're still looking at hands and you're still analyzing them. Um, but we do. I mean, for the listeners, uh, what we do whenever we watch, which I hear a lot of the coaches say they do this as well. Um, when we're watching a vlog and a decision point happens, oftentimes we'll pause it and decide what we would have done. That is very true. I mean, we're not just sitting there, you know, with popcorn with our feet up, just talking and half listening to the vlog. We kind of use it as a study tool almost because if you have someone there to bounce ideas off of and if you guys are both studying right it's not just being results oriented or you know everyone is studying so you can 
pause it, say what you would do, and explain why, which I think is important too. Going through your product, why are you betting small here? Why are you sizing up? Yeah, that's very true. I think it's easier. Uh, I think because we watch so many together, it's easier to kind of bounce ideas off of each other too. Like, I mean, if because if you're just watching, if you're watching it alone, a lot of times you're justifying whatever you're thinking, and you're not really doing that. But I mean, you still could, but you know, like I say, kind of bouncing off of what we do because a a lot of times, most of the times we agree. Probably eighty to ninety percent of the times we agree on the move. And then the other 20%, we disagree, and but it helps to kind of talk it out. And sometimes we both come into, like, I'll convince you of my route, and other times you'll convince me of yours. Oh, no, absolutely. And I also tell you what you should do and what I would do. <laughs> and, and sometimes they're very different. <laughs> That's very true. You have come up with that many times as well. <laughs> but, okay, so I guess the last session really is just my session at Legends, which... Hold on, it's kind of a crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on a six session, not buying, six session downswing. Right? Just really feeling the pain. Yeah. <laughs> That's hurtful at that point. I mean, you know, not all were for multiple buy-ins, not all were for buy-ins. But when you still haven't turned a profit one time in six sessions and you tell yourself you're a profitable player, you know, like you're like, I should be making money. I don't know what's going on. I mean, six sessions doesn't sound like a lot, but it'll weigh on you big time. But here's the other thing, too. This isn't like six online sessions. Six sessions of live poker is over a longer period of time. That's a very so good point. you just feel like a loser for so long. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at like each session, like six or seven hours, maybe. But it's spread time. out over a, over a long period of time. So... I mean, I was like, all right, you know, last session was okay, but then I got ace-king versus aces and kings, so that might have been better. And like I said last week, I mean, not all these sessions have been bad variants. There's been some horrible plays. There's been some good plays, right? Right. So I go to Legends, still haven't had one profitable session there, so that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate your phone call about you're already busted out and you were upset and you were pretty annoyed. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll go to that. It sounds like there's still money on those tables. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go see, get some of that clip money that's still out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm so, okay. So first, very first hand I sit down, pocket queens in the big blind. Ooh, what a great hand for first hand. I'm in a pretty, well, see, here's the issue though. It's a good hand for first hand, but it's not a good hand for me first hand. Because I haven't developed an image yet who's going to get calls. Because a lot of players in the big blind, when limped to, will just check, right? So when someone out of a big blind and a 1-3 game raises from the big blind after a bunch of limpers, normally a strong hand, right? It's a pretty big right. tell. And if you haven't seen this player play, um, you may not know that I'll be doing it with a bunch of hands. So I, I raise, everybody folds. Okay, so I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's the most results oriented on that as far as them calling. I mean, I feel like almost everybody's playing their own hands and they just literally had absolutely nothing. What do you raise it to? Um, twenty, which is my standard raise. But again, no one knows that because I just sat down. 
That's true. Yeah, that's... I mean, that is... I agree with that on 20, and it is weird. I mean, it's weird at any point in Legends to not get called for 20, no matter what anybody has. So, yeah, obviously comes into play. Yeah, and then, I mean, just to prove a point, the next hand, I did the exact same thing with 8-3 offsuit, and everyone folded, and I showed the bluff. And I told him, I said, I might be at the wrong table, so I went and got on the chain, table change list. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and then I was pretty annoyed because in a, in a raised pot, I folded ace three offsuit flop comes three, three turn ace dude turned uh, a very high flush and would have paid off everything. Right. Oh God. I was like, ugh, annoying. Next hand, Jack eight offsuit. I fold flop comes eight, eight turn Jack or river Jack. I was just like, well, I'm definitely moving now. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it's weird, because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of listeners who I think, well, that happens. You know, you could, do, I mean, if you fold do seven, you know, it could do that. But, and they are completely right. But the thing is, is when you are in the middle of a down swing and you're looking for anything, <laughs> and you see two hands that are definitely folds. I mean, oh, long term, yeah. these are both easily folds. The listeners like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. These are, these are easily folds. That's very results-oriented. No, we understand. But at this point... Looking for any type of win, and when you see those two hands go across, not a good day for you. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, that's exact. I mean, right when I had the hands, they were snaffled. Didn't even think about it. Right, ace three offsuit. But when I saw all the money go in on the turn, when I would have threes full of aces, I was just like, <sighs> God, dude. Like if only. And then um, same thing with the jack eight on the river. I bowed, and then everyone piles money in. I'm just like, oh God. Um, so I switched tables, right? Okay. And I'm, uh, I was right next to the dealer, but about three seats to my left is a guy who's pretty deep stack and was, uh, playing back at me, I guess. Cause I mean, again, I come down at the table, put in a, a raise with, um, I had something like top pair and then. Um, the guy we had played with before, like, oh, you actually had it this time. I was like, oh, actually, yeah. I was like, sometimes I get a hand. And then the next mm -hmm. hand I had, like, five, three suited, and everyone folded preflop. I showed it, and everyone was like, all right, now it's on, right? <laughs> which is good. I mean, <laughs> which is, is fine. Yeah. So then I open up with ace-king. It's all the same opening size. I open to 20 with ace-king. Someone calls to my left, and then the aggressive player three bets me to 80. Everyone folds. I re-raise him to 300. The next guy jams all in. The original guy, the original three better folds. I then call the all in. He too has ace king, and we chop it. No, oh, that's very anticlimactic. Yeah, but it happened. So the next <laughs> time, so then I get ace king again. I make it 20. The next guy, the same exact guy, three bets me to 80. I re-raise him to 300. He jams all in. I snap call. Um, this time, he has aces. That's not what you want to see. <laughs> That's not what you want to see. Um, I have ace-king offsuit. Um, what happened? I mean, it was for a gigantic amount of money, like maybe $1,700 pot, $1,800 pot, something like that. Oh, God. I tell him, well, I only run it once, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so flop a king... And uh, two spades. I was like, wow. And a straight draw. God, oh, oh no, sorry. I turned the straight draw. Turned the straight draw, but with a spade as well. 
So, shoot, on the turn, you're looking about as good as you can. Any king would win it. Any spade would win it. And then and, it was like any queen would would get me a straight. I mean, for ace-king versus aces, that's about as good as you can hope for. River the spade. <laughs> oh, my God. So this guy gets it. So y'all get it all in for like 1700 and ace-king versus aces, and you take out his aces. Yes. God almighty, that is a... <laughs> I don't know. You're a dirty. You're a dirty man. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I mean, I told him anyone deserves it. No, no, <laughs> no um, but yeah, he didn't seem to care very much at all. So it's whatever, I guess. But I was happy. I cared a lot. I mean, I can imagine <laughs> you cared the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I was pumped about that. Um, um, the session kind of continues. I was so that put me in pretty deep stacked i tried bluffing some guy who had kings on a 10 10 7 like five board didn't work well you said 10 10 7 7 board yeah 10 10 7 7 3 okay yeah that's what i was because you said 10 10 10 7 5 i was like well very different on the double pair board (laughs) yeah double pair board uh tried betting like 2x pot on the river got snap called it's the nature of bluffing and showing i mean i mean you're in the way you're you play though you kind of need that to happen every now and then because that's how you end up getting a ton of value at some of these games, especially at games where we play with the same people a lot. Right, exactly. And then I had another hand where I had 9-10 suited, flop came 9 high, um, turn was an 8, it was me versus this button straddle. I bet the flop pretty big if I wouldn't want protection for my 9. Um, got it heads up, turn was an 8, complete rainbow board though so i was like well this isn't the worst i still have top pair um and i'm not sure what he could really be calling me with rivers a 10 i bet like a hundred he jams all in for like 310 or 20 um i call he had queen jack for the gut shot river gut shot no flush draw i find this hand maybe the most interesting of all the hands because it kind of goes up against so one of the big ways i make a profit is overfolding because people just pay off everything at these levels uh but on hands like this where when they're betting nothing they have really makes sense i mean to to call down with a gut shot all the way down like with pretty when you weren't really giving them odds to call it's kind of tough. I guess he did have overs as well. But it's a, I don't know, overfolding these rivers, especially these river re-raises, I think is a really good way to make a profit. I mean, seems like I've lost the ability to do it very lately. <laughs> but uh, I stand by it as it's, you know, done well for three or four years. And again, like I say, it's, uh, it's what kind of makes your game profitable is people should be folding to your bluffs because on average, if they don't know you, that's usually somebody who just has the nuts. Right, exactly. And um, I had two more interesting hands of this session. I had one where I had pocket tens in a heads-up pot. I'm at a position. I make it 20. I get three bet. I call the three bet to like of maybe to 80. Flop comes all low cards, maybe eight high. Okay. Like eight, four, five or something. With a flush draw, two clubs. Um, 
he bets like 75 the down bet. I snap called the down bet. That's fine. A hundred percent. I mean, if you're going to go to the flop with these and get that flop, I feel like that's, you have to do that. Um, the turn bricks the flush draw and it's like, it's a very brick card. Maybe like a two or a three. Okay. He bets 350. This is where it's getting dicey. Yeah. And I was like, well, is this going to be the time where I just get shown Kings, aces, Queens, jacks. But then, you know, had the, well, maybe this is ace, king of clubs. Maybe this is ace, king. Maybe this is something completely lighter. And he's just trying to three bet me because I'm showing I open too wide. Right? Because I I open wide and show to induce action and bluffs. Right? Right. So if you're going to induce action and bluffs, you need to know what you're inducing and call. So I called. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems like a lot of justification here, right? <laughs> I do it all the time, but sometimes it's wrong. I mean, but I'm saying if you are going to show those kind of plays, people yeah. are going to try to bluff you a lot more frequently because they're constantly annoyed. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's a justification that makes sense without a doubt. Right, so I call, and um, and now I'm looking at my stack, and I'm like, well, it's not even a pot-sized bet. So, I mean, even if he goes all in, this is just going to be a tragedy for him where I had ace-king. First aces, I won. I'm going to call this off. He's going to show me aces. I'm going to hit the road. It was kind of my thought, right? Right. I mean, if you put him on a bluff on the turn, you cannot fold for a less than pot size bet on the river when nothing's changed. Gigantic yeah. leap to call and fold. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Definitely seems like a leak there. I mean, uh, the extra barrel on that written because not everybody's capable of barreling that third barrel but i mean with the stack sizes the way they are it's kind of i don't know i ooh, i don't know i mean i guess but god almighty i don't know there's there's some people who just can't put a three barrel bluff in wait, wait that that was gonna be my caveat this player who was doing this very 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 good player Okay, then, yeah. Then, Who is more than capable of putting in the bluffs, three-barrel bluffs, more than capable of calling the three-barrel bluffs. Okay, with that analysis, I agree. Right. Um, right. Very, very good player. So, um, I check on the river. He looks at my stack, checks it back. Turn over the tens, I'm good. I feel like maybe it, uh, if the stacks are deeper, do you think he makes that bluff? Because, I mean, when he looks at your stack and realizes that you're kind of committed here, it seems like that's when he decided to give up. I'll tell you what, I wasn't folding. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean it which, was a good read. Yeah, at that point. So I mean, it, one of those situations, like uh, Garrett Adelstein, like on the high stakes, sometimes whenever he talks about, like he'll bet gigantic on the turn and knowing that if you call that, you're going to be calling a river jam for less. Like, even though it's more money, it's less in uh, proportion to the pot. Yeah, though you're getting just that much better pot odds. And I kind of think it's a really good move when you're in position, too. That is a good point. I mean, it, it's definitely dependent on... I think it's very dependent on board texture and what you can get called on as far as, like, your big hands and everything. But, yeah, it's it definitely... Yeah, on your big hands, betting to where you can get the entire stack in there is uh is huge. Oh no, I'm not talking about betting to get your whole stack in. I'm talking about betting in a size to where you know that they're not. 
folding. Like, what is going to call a $350 bet on that turn that he's not going to fold for 500 into that gigantic pot? Yeah, the pot odds are just kind of too good. Right. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I mean... I, and not even the pot... I mean, just the fact that I called it gave him enough information... That's true. It's more what I'm saying. Yeah, it's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're definitely not on ace high here. Exactly. That's more what I'm trying to say. It's not the pot odds. It's once I call that 350 or 375, he knows my hand is very strong. Well, like, stronger than ace high. <laughs> yeah, because 75, I mean, for the down bet there, you could have quite a few hands here. Right. So, it's a... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, very good point. Yeah, I just thought that's an interesting move. Um, and then against the same player... He had shown a bluff for someone. So now I get my, I lace up my bluffing shoes. Um, I think I like, I was in the big blind or something. I was definitely out of position. Okay. Um, he bets pretty big. I, I call with the intent of bluffing. I had, like, an unsuited two-gap, one-gapper. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not going to win without bluffing. Um, flop comes ace-king, like, six. Actually, hit my in-between. It hit my one-gapper. But, um... Okay. He bets pretty big. I call. The turn brings in a flush. I check it as I would. He checks it back. I then bet, I get bet like over pot on the river, and he folds. Okay, I like this. I mean, he could have been he could have been c betting with anything. Your flush gets there. I mean, it seems like he might. I mean, he could you because it seems like you could be getting him off of a king here very easily. I mean, aces ace would make sense. You would check to the pre flop raiser. Uh. You call, you have something. I mean, he knows he's not a good against an ace or a flush, and then the flush draw gets there on the turn. I think you definitely, it sounds like you get him off of a king here. I think so. And then I got to show the bluff, so that was exciting. Oh, that's nice. And that was it. And have finally broke the down, or not broke the downswing. Finally had a winning session. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> That was great for the Texas Poker Podcast, man. <laughs> That's saying, because we were a few sessions away from the Texas Poker Podcast being bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, we were, uh, most definitely, I mean, but I like it. Like, I like, like I say, you know, dealing with downswings is just a big part, of, is just a part of poker. And, uh, you know, you have issues and go through, uh, we're going to get the volume in and turn it in and turn it around. <laughs> right, I was thinking. Not very often, I think the hosting this podcast. You know, what we have to pay monthly to host it would start digging into. I mean, when you're on a downswing, you're looking at everything, all the finances. So, at what point? This is, so we turned the Texas Poker Podcast into a marathon. <laughs> so we need. <laughs> yeah, um, that was it. So finally, had a winning session, which sounds weird to be on a podcast saying, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, hey, you know be... what? We're taking what we're getting here. <laughs> right. How's this guy on a podcast? No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so finally um, had a winning session. So I guess I'll conclude this week at the Sex Poker Podcast. Unless you got anything, Clint? 
No, I think we're about to go play now, so we'll see what happens. Right. That profit could be gone. All right, we'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.